The confession you are about to hear is an actual tape recording. All right, go ahead. Read the statement, please. I make this confession of my own free will because it is true. There has not been any force or violence used upon my person to induce me to make these statements. Without promise of immunity or regard or gratuity. Or reward or gratuity. I'm sorry. Or, or reward or gratuity, I confess. You understand, of course, that your statement will be made public through the radio program Confession. I do. And that your name for the purpose of this broadcast will be Roger S. Chapman. Yes. For the good you believe it will accomplish, you'll now be permitted to tell your story. Do you understand all this? Yes, sir. I understand. Maybe my problems will... will help people. Listening to Confession. This case history of the subject referred to as Roger S. Chapman is a matter of documented record. You will hear the story of his crime experience as told in his own words. I I don't know where to begin exactly. Well now, just in your own words, I want you to tell it as you remember it, Roger. That's what I tell my patients. Patients? I am a, a hypnoanalyst. You know, using hyp hypnosis for psychiatry. Uh -huh. It's a legitimate field. I took courses. I had a good practice, so I... Gone. I was helping people who needed help. They liked me, respected me. I was somebody important. Even my father admitted that. I was somebody. Even your father? Yes. He wanted us, the whole family, to be proud of him. He insisted on it. He'd quote the Bible and make dramatic speeches about how he overcome his problems and all that sort of stuff. What kind of work did your father do? He sold real estate and managed a building on on San Pedro Street, right here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. He didn't make a lot of money, but he was proud of his job. He thought it was something special, managing an office building. Maybe it was. Many of our people become poets and janitors and, well, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, go on, Roger. I used to tell him I, I wanted to do something special, too. I wanted to be somebody. Of course. But he'd just laugh, and he'd call me an oddball and tell me I'd better stay in my place and keep out of trouble. I guess that's why I got into trouble. Oh? How do you mean? Well, I, I was about 16 then, maybe a little over. There was a kid in our block, Les. Lester McKay, he thought I was an oddball, too. A bookworm, that's what he'd call me. Well, I had to show him I wasn't. You know how kids are. 
let you do this. We broke into the stove on Los Angeles Street. We got caught. The judge was pretty nice. He saw we were kids and he suspended the sentence and put us on probation. I see. Well, after that, I mean, I, I thought my father would give me a break, too. Seeing that the judge did. I thought he might understand how a kid feels when he's in a jam. You, Paul. You, my son. My son. What have I done to deserve you? What have I done? Oh, I'm sorry. Shut I, up. I, I, listen, Paul. I, I, shut, shut up, I said. A credit to your family you are. My son. My son. Ah, Paul, please, I'm sorry. Keep your mouth shut. You ain't got a right to speak around here anymore. I try to raise you up to be fit to live with. I try to give you something to live up to. And is this what I get for it? Is it? Is it? I guess I was dead wrong. A little crazy, maybe. Crazy is right. It's in the Bible all about you. Unstable is water. Thou shalt not excel. Paul. How am I going to face up to my clients tomorrow? How am I going to hold my head up and conduct my business with the whole world pointing a finger? Old Chapman's son is a crook, they'll be saying. Old Chapman's son has fallen among the thieves. Honest, Paul, it won't happen again. Man is born unto trouble. The book says so. And you were born to me, my son. Why do I deserve you? Why? Paul, have a heart. It's the first time. The first time? But how about the last time, Roger? Is it the last time or ain't it? Sure, sure, sure it is. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. That's what the scripture says, Roger. Are you going to change the scriptures? Well, are you? That's how he was, always quoting the Bible, never letting anyone else talk, especially me. Oh, was I glad to get out of there. And you left home? Sure. He wouldn't talk to me after that. He wouldn't let anybody else talk to me either. I got out as soon as I could. And where did you go? Bummed around mostly. Took odd jobs. Washed dishes in a hash joint on Main Street. Ran an elevator in a building on Alameda Avenue. Worked on a delivery truck for the Times for a while, too. I quit that job because I wanted something better. I didn't find it, though. I didn't find anything. Around the holidays, Christmas time, I was still out of work. Broke. You can get awful lonesome around Christmas. Huh. I, I wished I was dead. Tell me, all this time you'd been in, you'd been completely out of touch with your family? Sure. They didn't want me. I didn't belong there. I didn't belong anywhere. And everybody was busy shopping and rushing home. Well, I had to do something. Like what? Well, I knew Les McKay was working pretty steady. He was a pin boy at the Paradise Bowling Alley. So I, I went over and asked him to lend me some money. You kidding, Roger? How you figuring on paying it back? Look, Les, it's Christmas. After Christmas, I'll get a job. Nobody hires anybody during the holidays. How do I know I'll see you after Christmas? You got my word. Ain't enough. I got to get back. Wait a minute. Yeah? You got to lend me some money, Les. Look who's telling me what I got to do. I said I need money. I need it bad. Let go of me. It's your fault I'm in this spot. You got me into that store-breaking rap. Let go of me, will you? I didn't make you do nothing. I'm making you do something. I'm making you give me some money. Or... Hey, Roger, cut it out. Put that down. Put it down, Roger. I'll give you... Ow! I guess I lost my head all right. There was a bowling pin there in the locker room where we were talking. I 
slugged him with it and took his wallet. What about uh, your friend Les? Was he hurt badly? Not too bad, I guess. There was about $20 in the wallet. That was more money than I'd, than I'd seen in weeks. First thing I did, I bought myself a big dinner, a Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. I was still eating when the cops picked me up. Robbery, assault with a deadly weapon. Violated my probation. How long did you get? They sent me up for five years, minimum. Where'd they send you? San Quentin. It wasn't too bad. At least I finished my high school education up there. Got interested in psychiatry, too. Even took some special courses. I was paroled in four years. You had a job? Yeah. Yeah, I had a job, all right. They fixed me up with a good job. Janitor in a cheap apartment house on Olive Street. Parole officer even came around to see how I was doing. Hi, Roger. Hmm? Oh. How are you getting along? Okay, I guess. You, uh, you didn't check in yesterday. I thought I'd stop around and see how you were. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm the best janitor on Olive Street. I love my work. Nothing I'd rather do than empty garbage cans and scrub floors. Now, now, take it easy, son. Sure, take it easy. Look, Mr. Swanson, why do we always have to be janitors? Janitors and porters. I learned a lot in prison. I took a lot of courses. Why can't I study medicine or, or be a psychiatrist? You know why, Roger. You know as well as I do. But I could be good at it. I, I, I could Those be... fields are closed to men with prison records. Aren't there any exceptions? Oh, surely. But you have to show us you can handle yourself before you start giving advice to others. How? Emptying garbage cans? Well, if necessary, yes. It takes some time to prepare for a professional career. And you have to eat. Even exceptions have to eat. Yeah, you're right, I guess. But a janitor... You know, you can make this job count, Roger. You can save some money. Start going to night school. Learn all you can. You may not be able to practice as a psychiatrist, but there are plenty of jobs in psychology you can do. Just give yourself a chance. You uh, stayed on the janitor job, hmm? Yes. I hated it, but I kept it. I thought about what Mr. Swanson told me, and it sounded all right. I could save some money and go to school, and well, maybe someday open up my own business, have my own office as a consultant, or, or do psychological research or something. And you started night school? No. Oh, no, why? Education costs money. Janitors don't make much money. At least I didn't. It costs money to be somebody these days. Mm. Had you been working long? Just a couple of months. But I was impatient. I felt like, like I'd never save enough. And then one night I was walking home. It was late, so I stopped into a place for some coffee. A couple of men were in, in the next booth. I heard him talking about photography. Mm -hmm. One of them said 
He hoped the cameras would be okay out in the car. Well, I knew cameras were worth plenty. So I gulped my coffee and ducked outside. There the car was, right at the curb. Mm -hmm. I could see the cameras in them, in, inside the car. They were little, you know, the little cameras, the, the imported kind. I knew, knew imported cameras were worth a lot of money, and I needed a lot of money, so... Well, I don't know why I did it. Did what? The car wasn't locked. I opened the door and... Hey! Hey, you! What? Oh, no. Listening to Confession. Before continuing with the documented record of the subject referred to as Roger S. Chapman, the National Broadcasting Company is honored to present Mr. Richard A. McGee, Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. Mr. McGee. The case unfolding tonight is a demonstration of one man's tragic attempt to seek acceptance and stature in his community. Because of adverse conditions of environment, his drive for recognition became overemphasized to the point of abnormality. Such overemphasis often leads to crime. Correctional and parole officers, familiar with this behavior pattern, are constantly seeking ways to guide the maladjusted person into proper activities. When our rehabilitation program reaches its fullest development, society will then be able to redirect the energies of such individuals into healthy and useful channels. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Now to continue with confession and the documented record of the subject referred to as Roger S. Chapman. I took both those cameras from that car and a couple of light meters, too. Mm -hmm. I had my hands full, but I could still run pretty fast. They didn't catch you then? No. I waited a few days. Then I took the cameras and things to the hock shops around town. Where'd you get from? Well, all together, with the camera being imported and everything, I got $75. Hmm. Then I then I decided to, to go down to San Diego. There's a good school down there. But they caught up with me. The police did. Yes. The waitress where I had that coffee, she remembered what I looked like. And then what happened? This time they sent me up to Folsom. One to ten years. I see. Well, they helped me up there, too. Even more than at San Quentin. They let me work with the prison psychiatrist, marking tests, scoring IQ exams. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot that way. It helped when parole time came, too. How was that? Well, it helped me get a good job. This time, it wasn't a janitor. Oh, what did you do? Well, I, I was a counselor for a church group. 
lady in charge. She was pretty young. Maybe a couple years older than I was. Her name was Miss Wesley. The files are kept in that little room over there, Roger. Very convenient to your office. My office? Of course. Haven't you seen it yet? No, no, I haven't. Fine thing. Come on. I think you'll like it here, Roger. You won't get rich, but the work is very satisfying. Well, I don't care about getting rich, Miss Wesley. I just want to do work that means something. Here it is, paneled over with your name on it and everything. My office? Mine? All yours. It could be larger, I suppose, but... No, no, it's perfect. I'll like it here all right, Miss Wesley. I'll like it fine. It was fine. For the first time in my life, I was helping people. People asked me for advice. Treated me with respect. They listened to me. They, well, they acted, they acted as if I was really somebody. I wanted to help them some more. I wanted to do more, to learn more. And that's when you started school. Yes, there's a good school of hypnotism in town. It's not a phony. Nothing like that. It's got a good reputation, and it teaches hypnoanalysis. The course was pretty expensive. It took most of my salary, but, but I learned a lot. Well, I learned enough to start a private practice. Private practice? Yes, as a hypnoanalyst. Mm -hmm. I did that while I kept my job as a church counselor. I didn't tell that to the parole officer. We talked on the phone every week or so, but, but I didn't tell him. They're very pleased with your work at the church, Roger. Well, I'm sure glad, Mr. Swanson. Are you, uh, are you still dreaming of going into business for yourself? What? You mentioned it a long time ago. Oh, oh, that. Well, if I could, I I'd do it. But if I can't, I... Well, as long as you're happy at the church, stay put for a while. The more you learn there, the more you can help yourself. Okay, Mr. Swanson. And Roger. Yes, sir? Things are going your way now, son. Don't take any chances. I... I couldn't help feeling he knew something about my private practice. I felt as if he were trying to warn me. Well, why didn't you just tell him about it? I almost did. But I knew he'd, he'd tell me I couldn't practice without a license. I couldn't qualify for a license. <laughs> I didn't want to lose all of this. Not now. Not the way things were going. You uh, say you didn't want to lose all this. Were things that good? Oh, I wasn't making much money. Not much to speak of. The school took most of it. I needed special books and some equipment, too. But the church was, church was still paying me, and I got along. Funny how you can get along when, when people want you around. I had 15 clients, patients. I did a good job treating them. Even Mr. Swanson admitted that. Then uh, Mr. Swanson knew. Yeah, he, he dropped in on me at my office one day for surprise. Sorry to interrupt your work like this, Roger, but I'm afraid it won't matter now. Won't matter? What do you mean? Roger, you know better. This hypnoanalyst business. You're practicing without a license. Well, I, I don't qualify for one. I thought... Exactly. You're operating outside the law. You can't afford to do that. You have too much to lose. But I'm not doing anything that isn't legitimate. I'm doing a good job here. Look. 
Look at these files. Here, these charts, case histories. These letters from patients. Look at these letters. Look, I've helped these people. I'm doing a good job, Mr. Swanson. Here, look. Please, please look, Mr. Swanson. Look at these. I know, Roger. I know. The parole board checked into it. They know you're doing a good job, better than a lot of men in the field. Then... But you've been convicted of a felony. The law states that you've lost your civil rights. That includes the right to qualify for a license for... Is that what laws are for? To keep people from making a decent living? Is that what they're for? Roger. I do something worthwhile for once in my life. I help people. I do a good job, and I'm against the law. Roger, listen, ah. listen to me. You help other people, but you aren't helping yourself. You've got to learn to help yourself. What for? What's the use? For your own sake and the sake of those others. Now sit down and listen to me. Sit down. Your work in this field has been pretty exceptional. We might be able to work out a restoration of rights for you. How? Let the parole board worry about that. It will take some time, though. How long? I don't know, but it's worth the wait. You'll have to stop accepting fees. You'll have to discontinue this practice while your case is being checked. For how long? How long? I don't know, Roger. It may take a few weeks. Just try to be patient. Okay? You uh, followed instructions. I waited. It was pretty tough, but I knew it was worth it. I didn't have any money, though. The money from the church work went to pay my debts, the office debts. I slept on the couch in the office to save room rent. Just barely got by. Then my father showed up. Your father? Yes. The first time in, oh, almost 10 years. He was different from the way I, I remembered. He looked beaten. The proud look wasn't there anymore. At first, I thought he resented me for having a nice office with a name on the door and all. But I, I might have been wrong. I never, never could quite understand my father. This is good, son. It's good. I'm proud to see you make a name for yourself. Well, it, it took quite a while, Pa. And worth every minute of it, too, eh, boy? I admit this surprised me, Roger, but you make me very happy, very happy, son. You mean that? A wise son maketh a glad father. The book says that, you know. And it takes wisdom to be somebody these days. Thanks, Pa. Yeah, I've heard all about it. You're making good. You're doing good work. Work that reaps rewards in heaven. Blessed is he that considers the poor, as the scripture says. Uh, you think you could help your poor father? Well, I sure can. I need a little help, son. Oh? Is something wrong? Well, things haven't been so good, Roger. Since uh, your first trouble, things have gone from bad to worse for me. Will you help me, boy? Well, sure, if I can. I could pay it back by Monday at the latest. Oh. Well, well I don't have much money. $300? I, I haven't got it. Well, not that much. I I'll get it back to you by Monday. But, Pa, I, I haven't got it. You can get it, can't you? Well, I... Wouldn't someone trust you for 300 Trust me? Well, sure, but, well, I... Son, believe me, I'm desperate. Is it a sin for a son to help his own father? No, Pa. But I... 
Well, if I could be sure you'll have it back to me no later than Monday. Are you doubting your own father, Roger? Well, are you? I was crazy, maybe. But I felt big being able to help him. Bigger than I'd ever felt before in my whole life. What did you do? I wrote a check for $300 and signed and passed his name to it. I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't turn my father down. I went with him to, to cash the check, just to be sure he got the money. I just knew he'd, he'd have the money back on Monday because he said so. He promised me faithfully. I even expected him sooner. But Saturday... Sunday came, didn't show up. I waited all day Monday, then Tuesday. On Wednesday, Miss Wesley called me into her office. Come in, Roger. Shut the door. Sit down. Hello, Roger. Hmm? Oh, Mr. Swanson. Didn't see you. Roger, we've done everything possible to help you. Everything. I, I know. Then why do you do a thing like this to us? Like what? Like this... this. Oh. The check. Yes, the check. Signing the pastor's name. An out-and-out -out forgery. Roger, I, I don't understand you. I, I had to do it, Miss Wesley. My father needed money. He needed help. You need help, too, Roger. You need it more than your father. But he promised to have the money back on Monday. He promised. That's not the point. You forged this check. Why? I expected to have the money back on Monday. He promised. If you'll ask him, he'll explain. I know he'll explain. Your father's gone, Roger. Gone? Gone. He skipped town. Gone? Well, he could explain all about this. He... You sure he's gone? Yes, Roger. Sure. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it either, Roger. You did such good work. You were a wonderful counselor, and yet you... Why, Roger? Why? My own father. I helped him. Why doesn't he help me? You have just heard an actual confession. This case history of the subject referred to as Roger S. Chapman is a matter of documented record. To protect the legal rights of the subject, names and places were changed or deleted. Technical advice for confession comes from the Office of the Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. In a moment, you will again hear Roger S. Chapman. Subject, Roger S. Chapman, found guilty, forgery. Sentence, one to 14 years, Assigned California State Prison, San Quentin. Psychologist report, IQ test, 137, Wexler-Bellevue. Psychiatrist report, strong rejection complex. Dominant personality inhibited. Recommendation, extensive group therapy. Sociologist report, subject cooperative. Suggest transfer to minimum security institution. Work assigned, psychiatrist's assistant. Very satisfactory. Possibility for parole. Fair. Well, that's my story. 
as much as I can tell you about it. The other day, one of the counselors up here reminded me of a line from the Bible. Physician, heal thyself. It fits my case pretty well. I can help others, but I'm too close to my own problems to see them clearly. But I understand them better now than I ever did before in my whole life. Much better. I'm up for parole again in about eight months. That'll be my big test. I've got to pass the test this time. I've got to. I've got to. This has been Confession, transcribed statements of actual crimes. These true tragedies are brought to you each week as an NBC Radio Network production in an effort to stem the nation's forward march of crime. Credit for this broadcast goes to our cast. Paul Fries, James Edwards, Jester Hairston, J. Loft Lynn, Jonathan Hole, Mady Norman. Script Don Brinkley, music Michael Samogi. Script Supervision Warren Lewis, direction Homer Canfield, John Wall speaking. Confession, a Canfield Lewis creation, came to you from California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.